more than 85% of the watts we are spending are spent fighting the wind, okay? Fighting air resistance. That Triathlon Show, episode 25. Hello and welcome back to another episode of That Triathlon Show, the podcast presented by scientifictriathlon.com. As always, I'm your host, Michael, and I know that I said at the end of last episode that I think I did at least that this episode would be about training zones, but I actually changed my mind because I had an interview scheduled with a listener of the show, Nuno Praceres who sent me an email and we had a really good conversation about things that he has done to reduce his uh, aerodynamic drag on the bike and uh, save power and increase his speed on the bike without necessarily increasing his fitness just by paying attention to detail and using the right gear and uh, and also positioning and all sorts of things so he had a list of 11 points that we went through in the interview and i think that this chat was so good that i wanted to get it out as soon as possible so i changed the order around we will definitely talk about training zones in an upcoming episode but today we will talk about how to improve your aerodynamics and save power on the bike and most of these things that we talk about are things that you can do for free they just take some sweat equity or time and not necessarily any monetary investments so that was good and uh, if you like Nuno have a great story or something that you just think it's it's interesting and that the listeners should know feel free always to write me an email to michael at scientifictriathlon.com michael with a k as usual and uh, we can see if if your story is good or you have something interesting to share then definitely i'm as you see in this episode very much open to getting listeners on the show and that's something that i enjoy i actually don't think that i've had a single interview so far that has been as uh, enjoyable as the one with with nuno it was uh, very very good to talk to nuno and and nuno i know that you're listening to the show so i just want to thank you once again for coming on i really appreciate it all right without any further ado let's dive right into the chat with nuno and listen to how you can improve your aerodynamics and save power on the bike all right today on that triathlon show i have nuno with me and uh, nuno is a listener of that triathlon show from portugal who sent me an email. So I I will read this email. But first, Nuno, can you take a a quick minute to introduce yourself to the listeners? Okay. Firstly, thank you for uh, uh, inviting me in and uh, thanks for having me in. And um, I would like to start saying that uh, that triathlon show has helped me a lot in the the recent times. Uh, I'm preparing an Ironman at the moment and uh, I'm getting a lot of great information from it. And uh, I, I thought I should uh, suggest some uh, possible issues to Michael to address in this podcast. So my background is, is quite simple. I started triathlon last century and uh, just uh, I moved away from the sport for quite a long time. And then I came back mostly to to enjoy the um, pleasure of doing uh, longer distance triathlons. 
I currently I'm preparing an Ironman, as I said, and uh, I entered like five seventy point three distance triathlons here locally in in Portugal. I had uh, surprisingly good results, so I I, I want to move uh, a step further and trying to finally. Uh, to achieve a dream, which is completing an Ironman distance triathlon. Yeah, and uh, as you said, you've been completing those uh, half-distance races recently in uh, quick concession, and, and you've been uh, winning a couple of those, so you're doing very well. Your age group is the 50-year-old age group. When you last did triathlon before that 15-year hiatus, so that was in your early 30s, uh, or the first half of your 30s. What was your level back then, and what did you focus on? Well, at the time, the triathlon was not, was not very developed in Portugal. This year, last uh, last uh, Olympics, we had uh, an athlete who was uh, fifth on the on the elite men. And uh, in, in China, on those uh, Olympic Games, we had uh, the second place on the women. So since then, triathlon developed a lot in Portugal. Uh, at that time, we had uh, like uh, a group of 100 people, 150 people, and I was placing typically on the on the first 40 or something like that, on uh, mostly on sprint triathlons. There was no really long distance here at that time. Okay, yeah, excellent. And uh, I'll just read your, the email that you sent me that first prompted me to ask you on the show, or at least parts of it, so that we can give an introduction to the listeners to what we'll talk about today. Just, yeah, to be brief and tell the listeners already, it's about how to get free speed on the bike, or basically have to work less, decrease the amount of watts you need to go a certain speed by doing certain things. So the email that you sent me is I'm currently preparing for my first full distance rough and paid a lot of attention to my bike setup to take the most out of my old legs wattage. I did not invest a large amount of money in the process, but the gains were remarkable. This made a huge difference in my last win a couple of weeks ago. I won by a scarce one minute and a half, so any detail, detail counted for sure. The bike leg had some flat segments which are on Strava, and on those I am consistently on the top 10 top five in some of them, but spending much less watts than the elite triathletes that were competing there. Uh, I'm talking real watts and not Strava estimations. And I am 183 centimeters tall, which makes hiding from the wind even more challenging. My suggestion is for you to do a podcast episode or blog post on the subjects of the so-called free speed on the bike. And uh, yeah, then you offered to share each and every step that you did and uh, and provide the data that, to to back it up and and that's what you did and you've been sending me these links and i i was really really happy going through those links and it was uh, very fascinating and interesting to read and as you remarked on as well in the email i've been saying a couple of times maybe kind of ranting about not trying to buy speed but uh you you do it the smart way you know you you do your training but you also pay attention to the details something that maybe i should learn from or that i definitely should learn from actually but uh Anyway, that was your email, and and I was of course happy to to reply and uh, invite you on to the show. So let's dive into these uh, points that you made, shall we? Or do you have anything else to add before we go into the topic? Well, n- not much. Just that uh, basically, what I learned from age is that you don't uh, train for an event; you prepare an event. Training is just one of uh, the steps of the preparation, and uh, preparing is also taking care of the equipment, of the bike, of, of the, your wet suits, uh, of everything, every detail counts. 
there's no point in uh, training a lot and then having a flat tire because you didn't take care properly of the tire pressure or something like that. So it's pretty much on, on that uh, mindset that I, I prepare my, my, my events. Yeah, that, that's good. And actually, I have in my journal with my goals and my motivational quotes and other goals and stuff, I have a quote saying that uh, everybody has the, the will to win. Not everybody has the will to prepare. That's, and you definitely yeah. know that the will to prepare. So that's that's great. All right. So step number one on your list is buying a power meter to be able to calculate your drag coefficient, your CDA estimate via software, which is the Dr. Chung Aero lab in Golden Cheetah. Basically, there's there's a, a quote saying that if you can measure something, you can improve it. Okay, so it's it's what we don't have access to to wind tunnels. We most of us don't have access to um, uh, velodromes in which we can perform aerodynamics tests. And the case here is that uh, typically we, when we spend watts in the bike, more than eighty five percent of of the watts we are spending are spent fighting the wind, okay, fighting air resistance. So if I can have a relationship between the power generated and the speed, I have a good estimate of what I'm getting from the aerodynamic perspective. So the power meter is, is an instrument which creates sort of a virtual wind tunnel that helps us to access what are the, the effects of the changes that we are doing in a bike. Basically, it's just like that. There's a lot, there's at least two or three uh, software is accessible either through download like Golden Cheetah or even browser-based. Browser based. Yes. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, Best Buy Split, I believe, have the yes, same uh, same option or a similar software that you can use for It's quite for that recent. Same. It was in a beta version uh, a few months ago. I'm not sure if it's already fully released, but it was. Yeah, I, I think I think it is. Uh, I have actually made made myself an account on Best Buy Split, but I ha- and, and I have had a look at it and it's and what you can input and then what you're supposedly getting out. Mm-hmm. But I haven't actually tried it myself yet. But okay. but it seems to be working now. So so it is an option. So okay, that's fairly straightforward. And a power meter is anyway, even without these things, it's something that one of the best tools that you can you can get because it allows you to train so so straightforward there so let's move on to number two you did a bike fit yourself aiming to reduce drag without compromising function and you filmed yourself in slow motion on the rollers from the front and the side and used the software tool to measure angles and areas yes that's precisely what i did i don't recommend this to to everybody because um I'm pretty lucky. My my body type is quite similar to uh, to the the test dummy that Cervelo uses in their wind tunnel, which is uh, based on David Zabriskie, a, a former cyclist. And uh, this means that uh, most of the geometries between uh, uh, of of the bikes fit myself quite well. Uh, so I, I really strongly suggest people to uh, find a, a good bike fitter and then either then doing the work itself. You can spare like when 100 euros or 150 euros more or less by trying to do it yourself, but uh, it's a risky process. Bike fitting is a very serious matter because uh, it can condition yourself and uh, you can even, if not properly done, it can injure yourself. I'm, I have 20 years of uh, experience as a cyclist, so for myself, it's much easier to, uh, to achieve results just doing things myself. Okay. 
Yeah, I, I agree that uh, for the vast majority of listeners, getting a, a bike fit done by a professional would be the best option. But definitely getting one is is critical. So that's uh, that's one of the first thing that you should do even when getting a bike, even before getting a power meter, just from an injury prevention standpoint. Yeah, typically there's an opposition between aerodynamics and uh, the ability to generate power in a comfortable way. So sometimes we don't notice that when we are doing the fit ourselves. So that's a very good point, Michael. Everyone should uh, firstly start trying to use a, a professional bike fitter. Yeah. All right. So point number three on this list. Uh, let's, uh, by the way, at this point, uh, state that you have 11 points, I believe. Yes. 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 Okay. So point number three was buying an aero helmet, uh, which you got from eBay for pretty cheap and you... Uh, there was an article that you linked to from Dean Phillips, who is a bike fitter mm -hmm. offering scientific complete bike fitting in New England. And uh, they had a, an article, which is the same kind of numbers that I've seen from other sources as well. For example, <laughs> specialized wind tunnels mm -hmm. have stated similar numbers. On the sprint triathlon, regardless of power, basically you can save 15 to 30 seconds by getting an aero helmet. For an Olympic distance triathlon, 30 to 60 seconds. For half-distance triathlons, uh, 1.5 to 2.5 minutes. And for iron-distance triathlons, 3 to 5 minutes. Yeah. So uh, here, uh, there's a one-fits-all principle doesn't apply here. So the shape of the aero helmet is very important as well. If uh, one tr tends to ride with a head very upright, maybe that person doesn't need a, a, a huge tail in the in the in the helmet if one looks down a lot the same so um here i think that professional bike fitters can help as well because from the position in the bike you can sort of have a very good idea about the, the shape of the helmet that would uh, be more adequate to the person mm, right and uh, yeah that's a good point that's actually another thing that was mentioned in that in that article so don't just buy any old aero helmets uh, what which one did you buy just for i i, I bought uh, the rudy project wingspan because uh, i mean i i tend to be very static in the in the in the bike and i can uh, have its small tail touching my my back which is uh, i think the perfect uh, uh, solution <laughs> on yeah. on the aerodynamics perspective so the, the head should be lower then the, the shoulders, you should shrug the shoulders and the tail should touch lightly the, the back. Mm, perfect. And just to make a complete list of your equipment that you got uh, for the power meter, point number one, which power meter did you get? Uh, it's, it's a power tap. Uh, power taps uh, on, the, on the hub, generation three. Measuring the power on the, on the hub is, is, is precisely the last point in the bike where you can measure the, the, the power because you start applying the power basically in the shoe sole and then it goes to the pedals, then to the cranks, then to the bottom bracket, chain, and then finally the hub. When the power is measured on the hub, it's accounting for every possible power loss that you have between the moment you apply the power and the, and the power that is measured. This is very important because you have uh, like a 2.5% difference between the power in a regular dive train, between the power you apply and the power that you get into the road. So uh, measuring it away from the, the, the mechanical friction that you always have in a, in a, in a bike is the, is the best way to, to assess aerodynamics. 
Yeah, that's absolutely true. And uh, that's something that had me worried because I just got the Garmin Vector. So I measured mm-hmm. the power at the pedal so early up in uh, in the chain of events. Okay. So we'll get get to that later, what the, the mechanical friction and everything and how yes. that can save you power. But uh, the next point on the list is buying a skin suit. Yep. So uh, do you want to go into detail on that? I have some numbers here as well. It's quite simple. I mean, uh, triathlete accounts for more than 80% of wind resistance in in a bike. So uh, it, it should be as smooth as possible while riding. So skin is not uh, a smooth sur- surface. Aero suits and so-called skin suits have been used by cyclists, professional cyclists from 20 years, 25 years uh, now and um, they are very effective in in uh, in lowering the CTA, which is the the drag coefficient that you aerodynamic drag drag coefficient. And um, there are tests performed, but actually online you cannot find that much information about the extension of uh, of the the effects of of these suits. You have to measure them uh, them yourself. I'm getting like a, a little more than one unit reduction in drag from using the skin suit. And for listeners who are not familiar with the drag, how does that tr- translate to power for you at your weight and, sp- and yeah. speed, race speed, race pace? Okay, basically uh, uh, power, I, I'm getting something like 10 watts for each uh, half drag reduction. I mean, if I am, uh, if my CDA, I'm sorry to, to getting too technical here, is 26 and I lower it to... Uh, uh, 25, for instance, 0.25 to, to, to be more precise with the number, I'm getting something like a 10, 12 watts reduction for the same speed. Yeah, no, that's perfect. Thanks. And, and uh, no need to apologize for getting too technical because I think that this is, uh, this is super fascinating. And I'm sure many listeners will find it fascinating as well. And, uh, and getting that amount of watts uh, will, is something that, uh, that people can relate to, definitely people that have power meters. And, and you also linked to an article basically confirming what you say that on a 25-mile time trial, a skin suit can save around, a normal skin suit can save around 5 watts, but then with the right fabric technologies and steam positions, and obviously fit, uh, it needs to fit your body. Absolutely. It's possible to save between 10 to 15 watts in uh, top-end suits, which is significant and this article i noticed was uh, a few years old so probably the skin suits have developed oh. since then yes just one final remark uh, skin suits need to be fit without wrinkles but they, they should allow you to run after the the bike uh, segment okay so it's it's a very thin balance between function and and, and comfort okay <laughs> So yeah. be aware if you if you are going to buy a, a skin suit, ideally you should try it first and uh, knowingly that you have to run with it afterwards. Okay. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And then the next step is buying uh, Continental GP four thousand twenty three millimeter tires as the best compromise between aerodynamics and friction and uh, so rolling resistance and uh, yes. puncture resistance. I mean, uh, a lot of online information is sustaining that uh, these kind of tires are the, the best balance between, I mean, I mean, clinchers on clinchers are the best balance between uh, aerodynamics, uh, resist, uh, friction uh, and um, or rolling resistance, if you like, and uh, flat resistance uh, as well. The only thing that is might be uh, uh, possibilities to use, and I'm talking, of course, about uh, 
non-draft legal racing is to use um, 23 in front due to the iron dynamics and the 25 which has supposedly lower resistance in the back and uh, because it's sheltered from the wind you can use a wider tire over there so it's it's a variation from the 23 23 combination ah that's smart and you also posted an article to this as well which is from flow cycling which is a very reputable source and i've actually heard them these guys on the trainer road podcast talking about this very thing and uh, the table in the article that you sent says that over a 40 kilometer time trial with these they have a tested basically 20 or so different tires and the continental force is uh, the best one in terms of watts or resistance that you get aerodynamic resistance but the conti gp 4000 that you use are just uh, six and a half seconds slower or so but but they apparently have better uh, better other properties that make you use them and compared to some of the lower level tires or not necessarily lower level but poorer performing Mm -hmm. tires on the list they lose uh, 42 or 49 seconds compared to that best result on the list so we'll link to this article and maybe include a screenshot uh, on the show notes if uh, the flow cycling guys will allow that so so the listener uh, listeners can go and have a look at that but and over an iron man just to make this uh, more relatable for people that are doing long distance triathlons that will be for the for the tires that you choose you lose uh, only 30 seconds compared to the best performers whereas the worst performers on the list lose three minutes and 42 seconds so depending on the type of tire that you use you can save almost four minutes so that's uh, massive absolutely and then the next uh, point is tire pressure and uh, distributing it unevenly and i may be labeling myself as stupid here but i had no idea that this is something that you should do but uh, that was uh, really neither great. did i until i found found it in a, in a australian uh, website uh, and it makes a lot of sense because uh, the, the the weight is not distributed equally between the two two wheels in the, in a bike so um in a in a road bike it's typically 60 40 uh 64 the, the the rear and 44 the front in a in a tri bike for non draft legal uh, races it's it's a bit more uh, biased towards the front so the pressure that you put in the tires should take that into account to maximize uh, the relationship between a uh, function and and uh, and rolling resistance yeah so to clarify for the listeners you should uh put more pressure in your rear wheel and uh that should be it's based, there is a calculator that we'll also link to on the show notes yep. that you sent me where you can just input your weight and or the total weight of you and your bike and uh and and then you'll get basically the the psi or the bars that you should put in in each of your wheels so so it's perfect and there is a another link a, a very nice little white paper two pages with some with some charts that the technically minded can go and have a look at yeah you might you might test it yourself if with a you wait yourself on uh, sitting in a bike on on your regular position putting the 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 scale in the in the rear wheel first and then in the back wheel and you will see that the weight is not distributed equally uh, typically, due to a f- uh, law of physics, you can use the proportion of the weight to calculate the, the proportion of the of the tire pressure if you want to test it yourself. Yeah, that's uh, that's super smart. Uh, definitely get, getting even more exact. All right. So number seven on the list is optimizing the between the arms bottle position. 
So talk about that. Okay, it's it's pretty. Uh, Cervelo did a test uh, a few week, years ago, showing that uh, between the arms is the best position for a non-draft bike uh, to use the, the the water bottle. Some of uh, some there there are some systems that uh, use a straw, and uh, they are quite convenient for long distance racing. And uh, I use one, but uh, watch, you should keep an open mind because I found a website in which the, the, the model that I'm using is uh, tested in the, in the wind tunnel and is showing completely different values if it's mounted regularly or if it's mounted with a lot of creativity, lowering the position of the bottle. So uh, this is just to say that these kind of details count a lot and uh, having the bottles uh, on the back of your saddle or or on the, um, the 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 top tube or the or somewhere else in the bike can make a huge difference and uh, if you have a power meter you can test different positions and uh, find out what are the results. Yeah, and I'm looking at that article that you sent and they had a big test rider. It's not specified how big, but uh, in a very good aero position. And uh, when they tested, the, it was the profile design FC35 between arms bottle. And the watts lost when they had it in the standard mounting position was uh, minus 1.7. So two watts lost, basically. And then compared to baseline test, and then when they mounted it upside down, they saved 8.3 watts. So uh, yeah, yeah, that's interesting. Yeah, yeah, and if you if you know that uh, the people are paying like almost 500 euros for uh, pulleys in to to put some pulleys in the real deal railer that will spare something like two watts, uh, you can uh, see where where we are going. <laughs> At the moment, okay. So yeah, if you yeah, spare exactly. like eight watts is 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 huge, absolutely huge. Yeah, and and that's that's a one thing that I want to to emphasize here that many of these things that you talk about, most of these things actually are free. There there are zero cost. Okay, we talked first about buying an aero helmet and a skin suit, but then these things like optimizing tire pressure, good tires are not that expensive, but that's something that can save you a lot of a lot of time. And then optimizing the bottle position, and then some things that we'll talk about later are zero or negligible costs. So uh, it's yes. not something that you need to go out and spend a huge amount of money on. So that's something that that got me hooked on, basically on on your yep, on your email yep. as well. Okay, so next on the list is shaving your legs uh, again, zero cost. Yeah, zero cost, and uh, you you should go to specialized. Uh... Uh, YouTube channel and then see what what are their findings because they are huge. Uh, it depends on 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 your body's characteristics, but if uh, typically you can save more than one minute in a, in a, for a, something like a twenty five miles time time trial. Yeah, here I actually have the I looked at an article that you sent that is written by Alex Hutchinson, who is a very mm -hmm. well respected yes uh, endurance sports journalist and. Uh, and there were tests done, uh, hang on, I'm reading them as we speak. They reduced drag by about 7%, saving 15 watts at the same speed. It's not specified which speed, but you would imagine that it's uh, maybe just below 40 kilometers an hour mm -hmm. or something. So in theory, that translates to a 79-second advantage over a 40-kilometer time yes. trial. So more than one minute. In practice, it might not be that much, but that is where these uh, specialized tests that you talked about come into play and and they tested on five cyclists in the wind tunnel and before publishing the results and and all of them saved 
in around a minute i actually i lost that line so i don't have it in my notes but mm-hmm. i remember reading it yesterday and it was around one minute maybe 40 seconds for the smaller savings and a bit more than one minute up uh, towards one minute and a half for 40k time trial so it can easily get to close to five minutes in an ironman distance okay if you are very hairy on your legs <laughs> it's it's indeed you are getting like five minutes uh, yeah yeah, and if you're like me and living in Finland, it just means that you need to put on pants uh, yeah. and have them on for a month longer before it warms up. Yeah, yeah. You can't rely on your leg hair to keep you warm. But that's okay if you can if you can save five minutes on an Ironman. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so the next one is using paraffin as a chain lube. Okay. This one was interesting as well. This came from uh, Friction Facts um, website, and Friction Facts, I think, was bought by uh, Ceramic Speed uh, not, not a long ago. And uh, they just proved that uh, they they used to prepare chains with a with a special loop that you, was, uh, which formula was then uh, uh, made public. And uh, the vast uh, majority of the components was pure paraffin. I mean, it's regular paraffin that is used in candles. And um, some cyclists, very hardcore cyclists, were using this for quite a long time. I found that, and uh, I tried it in my chain, and it worked marvelous. And uh, it, it's it's even water repellent. And uh, when you when you are training in running conditions, in rain conditions, it's quite funny because the chain doesn't just doesn't get wet, and you don't uh, and and you you can touch this the the chain, and uh, you not get your hands dirty, which is <laughs> kind of interesting. For everyone, I think. Yeah, that's amazing. And and also on the Friction Facts, uh, the link that you sent me, uh, they have some data saying that you can save 78 seconds per hour. So, or an Ironman distance, we might again be talking in those yeah. five minutes or so, just by addressing that dry train efficiency. And uh, yeah, four, you can save four plus watts on uh, chain lube, three watts by avoiding cross chaining. This is something, yeah, this is not completely related to paraffin. Yes. Not, not just that, but the entire dry train, 1.8 watts on your bottom bracket mm-hmm. and 1.3 watts for your derailleur pulleys. So yeah, 10 plus watts if you, if you add those together. Yes. It's a lot. And uh, yeah, and, and one more thing about that paraffin. It seems to be quite a lot of work to prepare it, but then it lasts for, was it something like 500 plus kilometers? Yes, riding yes, more, more or less. It depends on, on, on uh, how, how many shifts you are doing. If you are um, basically uh, a guy that shifts a lot, and I am, uh, it, it's more or less uh, 500 uh, kilometers. Uh, if you're not, uh, it, it could last much longer. Yeah, but but I read in that article uh, a pretty nifty trick that they were doing. They just bought several chains and and did them all at once. So okay. batch prepared them and and then just uh, changed the entire chain uh, to have a clean one. When and that made it for me with my with my methodology. I just take like uh, five minutes to prepare a chain because I have a sort of a pot with uh, already with paraffin in it. I just uh, hit the pot. Uh, I have a quick release on the on the on the chain. I just uh, clean a bit of the chain very roughly, and I put it into the pots, and then I hang it somewhere uh, to make it uh, um, cold. And, uh, and then I just put it in the bike again. I mean, it takes my me five minutes. Uh, wow. Okay. Because that this is uh, to be honest, this is the point that I I felt like nah, I'm not prepared to do that because it seemed to be so complicated and take so long. Like it is, it is not. It is not. 
Yeah, okay. Because they they used uh, I I didn't read read it very carefully, but but they had many many steps and yeah, and it was they use evident that, that yeah. yeah, they yeah. use ultrasound cleaning before uh, preparing the chains. Okay, uh, when the chain is already prepared, and this is very important, the drive train train needs to be completely cleaned up, uh, and uh, you should uh, use a ultrasound to to clean up all the drive train. And then you can use paraffin and the drivetrain never gets dirty again. Mm. Uh, so you just have to do it once. Yeah. Okay. Perfect. That, that's a great hack. And that's absolutely amazing. All right. So point number 10 is uh, borrowing a Zip 404 as the front wheel <laughs> yes. from a friend who was not competing. <laughs> so for you, it was zero cost. For others, it might yeah, not be. But I mean, the front wheel is, is probably the where uh, aerodynamics is more uh, felt by everyone. And uh, it's very important indeed. You basically need to have the highest profile possible in a quality wheel, providing that uh, the, the bike still is maneuverable. And uh, so I had a chance to, to borrow a wheel and, uh, <laughs> and that's what I did. Uh, typically, you can buy a, a very good front wheel for uh, 500 euros uh, in, a, in eBay or, or, or something or with a, with a discount in a, in a good uh, shop. Okay, so... There's no big deal there. It's yeah, and uh, and the time savings again. You sent me yep. a reference, and uh, compared to a mad fiber clincher, it was. Uh, hang on, let me see if I can understand this table correctly. Oh uh, yeah, okay. So so that was the the slowest wheel. That was zero seconds. So then compared to that uh, baseline, the fiber clincher, uh, they compared several different wheels, including an Envy wheel, a uh, Headjet a Bontrager and then the Zip 404 and the Zip 404 along with the Bontrager both saved 70 seconds and that was over the iron distance bike so 112 miles mm -hmm. and then the the Envy say, saved 54 seconds as did the Headjet yep and that was tested in the wind tunnel at Faster in Scottsdale Arizona yep Okay, so the final point, point number 11, is using wheel covers in on the back wheel to make it as aero. Okay, as okay here, I mean, uh, since I have the, the power meter in the real wheel, it was quite frustrating to not to be able to use the best aerodynamic um, solution in the, in, the, in the rear wheel, which is basically a disc wheel. I came across uh, some uh, information about that. Uh, namely from one of uh, the first that triathlon show uh, NVTs, which is uh, with uh, Cody Bills that you interviewed. Mm -hmm. uh, he uses um, aero covers on his back wheel for quite a long time. And uh, in his blog, he says that it's pretty much the same. And he does typically at least one or two uh, wind tunnel tests per year. He's one of the more aerodynamic triathletes around. <laughs> And if he yeah. uses, if he uses, uh, currently he rides from, for Vinton one. And if he uses aero covers on the, on the rear wheel, uh, it means that, uh, a guy with that attention to detail has to be right. Okay. So, um, there's I, no I was going to say he, he comes from engineering and physics, physics background and he has a collaboration. He's actually on the advisory board, I think of, uh, stack the Canadian company that is doing trainers but now also doing virtual wind tunnels and all sorts of things okay, related to bike aerodynamics so he he's in that game and he, he knows that so so yeah i'm totally with you that's that's a guy that you should trust on these things and and then the article that you sent me as reference for this one was from wheel builder 
that uh, tested tested covered wheels and and compared to uncovered wheels, but also disc wheels. And uh, let me see here: a covered eighty-one millimeter deep wheel outperformed flat disc wheels in every wind condition. The covered covered SIP eight hundred eight has less drag than the fastest disc wheel tested beyond ten degrees of yaw, and a typical thirty millimeter training wheel with disc covers approaches the performance of a flat disc at seven point five degrees of yaw, but exceeds performance of all disc wheels tested at wind angles greater than twelve point five degrees. So yeah, basically, for except for for certain wind angles. Just covering up yep. your wheels will give you all of the performance benefits of a disc wheel is what that that is saying. So and then that, I, this is another thing, probably along with the with the tire pressure one that was completely new to me and uh, I had no idea. So yeah, great stuff. Okay. I just want to have three more very small aspects. One is position endurance, which is another thing that uh, I didn't mention in email, but uh, if you have a good aero position, you have to be able to sustain it for the the length of the event. There's no point in having a great position that you cannot sustain. And you should train in the rollers. You should train your position as well because, uh, as I said, 85% of the air resistance comes from the cyclist. Uh, another aspect that I would like to address is is you have to have very a lot of attention to detail. Hanging cables in the bike are something that will create turbulence and uh, will uh, create definitely more air drag. So if you can tie the, the cables together or uh, just tape them, it's it's also a very good idea. And you can measure indeed uh, what's happening with the, with the power meter on that. And finally, one thing that uh, tends to be uh, sort of forgotten is, is that you should always use the, um, the best uh, gear ratio in your bike because it it doesn't give you free speed but it uh, gives you it delays fatigue for sure if you can have uh, the uh, the proper gear uh, gear ratio in order to um, pedal at your best comfort and not having those kind of gears that feel the, the one gear feels too too heavy and the next one feels too light which is something that happened to me you can uh, definitely improve your your speed without messing up with your fitness okay that's three three last points that i would like to mention yeah those are all very good and i didn't prepare you for this actually but let's do a few quick rapid fire questions uh, you've heard this m- once before so maybe okay. you've had had a think of, about them even so so i haven't prepared that okay but let's try it <laughs> so what's your favorite book blog or resource related to triathlon and let's put a rule here that you can't say that's triathlon show okay okay you got me there. So uh, basically, I, I'm quite a, a, a data nerd. So uh, Triathlon 2.0 from uh, Jim Vance is uh, one book that I, I I have very close to me all the time. I I, I think I now know it by heart right now. And uh, about um, web resources, I, I listen to um, actually is a friend of mine podcast. It's kind of discontinued now, which is uh, it's called uh, Real Coaching from uh, Paulo Souza and uh, Joel Filial, where they they give a lot of good insights about how elite guys train. Okay, <laughs> which is something uh, we can only dream about, but uh, it, it, the information is is quite uh, interesting. 
So I would mention those two yeah, resources. Yeah. I also love Triathlon 2.0. And we had Jim Van Sant to talk about that yes, in episode six, <laughs> yeah. six or seven. And uh, Paolo could prob- is probably coming on. I won't uh, make any promises as yet, but it seems very probable that he will be on the show in the near future. So Great. You have that to look forward to. All right. Um, uh, what's a personal habit that helped you achieve success? Consistency. I would have to uh, answer consistency. It's a pretty much uh, keyword for for triathlon and for success in, in general. I mean, being able to to do your stuff over and over and over and over again without discontinuities is 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 the key for getting further. Yes. What's your favorite piece of gear or equipment? I would have to answer the power meter or maybe the smartwatch uh, where I can, I, I read the power numbers from, but I would say it would be the, the power meter because mm. mostly I, I, what I enjoy in, in, in triathlon is mostly the data that comes from the bike, basically. Yeah. yeah. And finally, what do you wish you had known or wish you had done differently at some earlier point in your triathlon career? Uh, maybe polarized training or at least, uh, trying to avoid the, the gray zone in, in, in training, because I think that, uh, all the people I know do a lot of time in that kind of, uh, zone where they feel the effort, but it's not a high effort, but it's not a low effort and they have to take loads of time to recover from it. And I think this is a, a key point. Either you are on the red line or you are just smiling and enjoying uh, your health and your fitness uh, moving slow. <laughs> okay. This. Yeah, yeah. And and you will have listened to, to episode 20 where I talked about for masters athletes, particularly yes. how important VO2 max training is. And, Absolutely. Uh, so so that's uh, yeah, good point. And I think polarized training was something that was referred by a Finnish author or at a Scandinavian author, I think. So it's probably something that... Uh... Yeah, it's a Norwegian. I think Steven Seiler from Norway is, okay. the, is the most prominent researcher in that field. Okay. Yes. But the Finnish people have been training that way for a long, long time, even if they yeah. didn't coin the term. So, so yeah, uh, that, that is something that, that has been here prevalent in Scandinavia for a long time. I read about uh, Pavo Nurmi. I think it, that's yeah, the, yeah. he used to train very slowly sometimes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He did a lot of walking as well, I believe. Yes. <laughs> okay, uh, Nuno, this has been absolutely fantastic. I really enjoyed talking to you and thank you for, for sending that email. I thank was, you. Uh, Same, thanks for having me in. Thank you very much to be yeah. able to share this. Okay. <laughs> Okay. Feel, yeah. I feel privileged. Uh, good, good luck with Challenge Roth and uh, recover well from you have a running niggle at the moment. Yes. But uh, <laughs> let, let's hope that that passes quickly and we'll be uh, cheering for you at Challenge Roth. And, and uh, I'll definitely check out how, how you go and give you a shout out on the show. Okay. Thank you, you very much. When you break that 10 hours, which you will. Oh, <laughs> thank you very <laughs> okay. much. Thanks. Bye. Bye bye then. Big thank you again to Nuno who came on to tell us all of these things. And I'm sure that however much you know about cycling and, uh, and gear and equipment and their aerodynamics, you, you must have learned something new because there are so many things in this episode that we talked about that, that you can learn from and, and get some additional benefits and get some extra free speed on the bike. All of the things were not free, but most were. So just a quick reiteration of the 11 points that we went through so that you have a nice little summary. 
Point number one was uh, buying a power meter. Point number two, doing or getting a bike fit. Point number three, buying an aero helmet. Point number four, buying a skin suit. Point number five, buying Continental GP 4023mm tires. Point number six, optimizing your tire pressure and distributing it unevenly between the front and the rear tire. Point number seven, optimizing the between the arms bottle position. Point number eight, shaving your legs. Point number nine, using paraffin as chain lube. Point number 10, borrowing or getting a Zip 404 front wheel. Point number 11, using wheel covers for the back wheel. And that was it. And there were a lot of details and uh, what's saved or seconds or minutes saved in in this episode. And of course, I'll have the notes for you in the show notes on thattriathlonshow.com. So if you enjoy this episode and enjoy That Triathlon Show in general, uh, please send me an email and tell me. I really appreciate that. If there's something that you want from the show some guests or topics or some specific types of episode any direction you want the show to take then i'm always open for feedback so do send me an email to michael at scientific triathlon.com and that's michael with a k and if you really 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 enjoy the show i of course appreciate it if you go to itunes to rate and review the show that really helps me get the word out So with that said, that's a wrap for this episode. I'll see you in the next episode of That Triathlon Show. Keep training smart and keep loving triathlon.